to follow. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Talk about spring into action. Yeah, those, those kids spring into action. The uh, one person I also want to thank is Donna Fellenberg from Catskill Character, who also called in during that challenge. Uh, we won't hear from her today because we got a special fun drive edition of Farm and Country, but we did hear from you on the phone. Thanks for calling in, Donna, and we appreciate that support as well. And uh, Rosie, you're coming up with Farm and Country. Um, we're going to go to the news in just a minute, but what do you got coming up? Oh, we have a wonderful show today. We're, we're going to highlight springtime over here. Uh, Keith Hubbard's going to talk about space junk. Annie Stanley from Tustin has some. She's going to tap the maple trees. For sugaring, Adrian Pisciano will give her give us some wisdom on warming up the soil. And because it's fishing season, trout season has started. Yeah. Evan Sweetwater Fishing Guide Evan Padua has some great advice. Great. Farm and Country is next after the news from NPR. You can spring into action during our spring fun drive. Donate now at 845-482-4141 or online at wjffradio.org. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky calling on Russians to carry out acts of sabotage against the advance of Russian troops into Ukraine. NPR's Julian Haida is in Ukraine. He reports that more than 130,000 Russian men have been conscripted during an annual draft. Russia says that the new soldiers won't be engaged on the front lines in Ukraine, but during his midnight address, Zelensky told Russians to resist anyway. He also offered Crimean conscripts amnesty if they surrender to Ukrainian forces. This comes after a Ukrainian army official claimed that Russians were sabotaging their military efforts in the Belgorod region, even taking some Russian soldiers hostage. Russia claims Ukrainian helicopters destroyed an oil depot in the region this week. Ukraine claims it's the work of Russian actors on their own territory. Yulian Haida, NPR News, Lviv, Ukraine. The Red Cross says it's renewing an attempt to evacuate civilians from the besieged Ukrainian port city of Mariupol. The Red Cross says it's trying again to send in a team to lead a convoy of more than 50 vehicles out of the city after an attempt failed yesterday. New Mexico has joined a growing number of states where it's legal for adults to buy marijuana for recreational use. And from member station KUNM, Alice Fordham reports the first marijuana retailers are now open. There's a party atmosphere at Santa Fe's Fruit of the Earth dispensary. Sarah Howard is in charge of edibles. She makes lots of flavors, including local specials. Because it's New Mexico, we do red chili pinon. Proponents of legalization say it will create an economic boom and end arrests for cannabis-related offenses, which studies show have disproportionately hit communities of color and low-income groups. Again, Sarah Howard. I think this is one of those things that moves us toward social equity in a big, big, big way. But those same marginalized groups could be excluded from the business because of high startup costs. The state is planning to offer loans and micro-licenses. For NPR News, I'm Alice Fordham in Santa Fe. The Associated Press is reporting that first-day sales reached some $2 million by early yesterday evening. Voters in Costa Rica head to the polls tomorrow to elect a president in a runoff election. Maria Martin reports that even more than scandals surrounding the two candidates, a deteriorating economy hit hard by the pandemic is uppermost on voters' minds. Costa Rican voters will choose between Rodrigo Chavez, an economist who once faced sexual harassment charges, 
and former President Jose Maria Figueres, who in the past was investigated for allegedly taking bribes. But their previous scandals are of less concern to voters than who'd be able to pull Costa Rica out of economic freefall. Almost one-fifth of voters are undecided. And you're listening to NPR News. The actor Will Smith is no longer a member of the Motion Picture Academy. He has resigned, saying in a statement he betrayed the trust of the Academy when he slapped a comedian Chris Rock during this year's Oscar ceremony. Smith's resignation came two days after the Academy met to initiate disciplinary proceedings. The Academy's president says Smith's resignation has been accepted, but that those proceedings will continue. For Muslims, the holy month of Ramadan has begun, and after two years of virtual prayer and drive through iftars, Dina Pritchup reports that many people are finally celebrating together. Ramadan is a time Muslims spend in contemplation, but also in connection to faith and each other. In many places, this will be the first near-normal Ramadan since the pandemic started. For Nadifo Warsame in Portland, Oregon, that means returning to the mosque for community prayer. And after the daily fast ends at sunset, a huge community potluck. Sambusa, rice, meat, fish, every food, everything. It's a part of the Ramadan season people have missed, and hope is back to stay. For NPR News, I'm Dina Pritchup in Portland. Final four games in the NCAA Men's College Basketball Tournament are tonight. Villanova playing Kansas, and then Duke plays North Carolina for the right to advance to Monday's title game. This Final Four is the first in which each school has won multiple NCAA championships. They've each won at least three times. In the women's tournament, South Carolina and Connecticut play for the NCAA crown tomorrow. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Kauffman Foundation, working together with communities to break down barriers and prepare all people for success in their jobs and careers as employees or entrepreneurs. More online at Kauffman.org. You're listening to Radio Catskill. Good morning. It's 11.06, Saturday, April 2nd. I'm Tim Bruno, and I'm joined in the studio by... Rosie Starr from Farm and Country. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day. We have sunshine today. Yes, it's nice. Sunny and high 46 today, so that's good. Yes. Um, and we're here with a live special edition of our Spring Into Action Spring Fun Drive uh, version of Farm and Country. So that's why we're here live. We're here live, and I have just a tiny little poem to get that phone number out. Lovely. It's like Radio Catskill voted number one. Give us a call to join the fun. 845 845- Four eight two four one four one. That is original poetry right there for you folks. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I had listen. I had so much fun yesterday. It was April Fool's Day, as we all know, and boy, was it a fooling day with weather. And I attended a uh, farm arts collective oh, uh, was... April Fool's fun. It was great. Yes, and, and you know it was wonderful. There were so many people. In that audience that know about radio cats, yes, they yeah. know about radio. They recognize me from that Facebook page <laughs> that you put me a face. That's why we keep putting pictures of Rosie up because she's all over the community and like, look, look, you'll know her. And you know, we know that you enjoy uh, Farm and Country as part of your weekend routine here. It's one of our more popular shows. Uh, in addition to Farm and Country and Janice Adams and also Josh Fox. 
jambalaya and uh now and then all locally produced shows from right here with volunteers just like rosie and donna and all the folks i just named uh who are producing these shows just for you and so if you support this show and those shows and these volunteers uh then please call and donate 845-482-4141 or go online wjffradio.org your support is vital to keeping these programs on the air so protect them with your support 845-482-4141 or wjffradio.org we have a special two for one offer during this spring fund drive rosie do you want to tell folks about that um i think this is really wonderful some there's so many organizations in our community that's that make our community great they're nonprofits. And uh, Radio Catskill came up with a creative idea. If you donate a certain amount, uh, like $250, you get eight announcements. So Radio Catskill gets the benefit and the nonprofit gets the announcements. Yeah, you could donate $250 and then we'll produce eight on-air 30-second announcements for the nonprofit of your choice. So we've had a few folks take advantage of that. So we're going to be producing some uh, uh, announcements for the Wayne County Public Libraries. Uh, we also are doing that for the Delaware Youth Center. Uh, someone called in to support... Um, Damascus, Damascus citizens. citizens and also Tustin Heritage Garden. And there was a new one, um, Evergreen, uh, I believe, which just opened in Coshecton, we heard from yesterday. So again, if you have a nonprofit that you want to support and you want to support Radio Catskill, we're making it easy. Two for one offer here. Donate $250 or more, and we will produce the eight spots for the local nonprofit of your choice. It can be about an upcoming event. It can tell about their mission. Uh, and we're here to support the community. That's what we do. We're here to amplify those voices in the community and be that platform uh, of support and uh, information and entertainment for, for all. So we're listener-supported uh, public radio, and it's public. It belongs to you. belongs to the community. So support it with your donation. 845-482-4141 or online at wjffradio.org. And as the producer of Farm and Country, I have prepared a sweet beginning of April for you. We have uh, your favorites, Keith Hubbard with Star Talk. And then I have a sample of maple, uh, how to draw maple syrup out of the trees at this time of the year. There's a local community member. Annie Stanley that's going to show us how to do that, and it's delightful. So we'll get to that show, but in the meantime, I need you to call 845-482-4141 to to show your pledge of support for the volunteers and staff that bring you locally produced programs. And we are all doing this important work together. You're part of this. We can't do it without you, so call 845-482-4141. And support Farm and Country, support Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, we dip into the Farm and Country Audio Archive Pantry. Annie Stanley invites us to observe how she taps maple trees for sugar and sap. Adrienne Pichano shares her wisdom on warming soil for eager gardeners. But first, here is Keith Hubbard with a fresh Star Talk report on space junk. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farming Country.
Farm and Country. I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. There are more than 27,000 pieces of space junk that the Department of Defense is tracking. Of those, 23,000 pieces are larger than a softball. There is a lot more debris that is too small to be tracked, but still large enough to threaten the safety of humans and spacecraft in orbit around Earth. It is estimated that there is half a million pieces of space junk that is the size of a marble or larger. Both the debris and spacecraft are traveling extremely fast, up to 17,500 miles per hour. So the impact of even a tiny piece of space junk with a spacecraft can create massive problems. At these speeds, even paint flecks can cause problems. During the space shuttle era, many windows on the spacecraft had to be replaced due to damage caused by impacts that were shown to be paint flecks. The greatest mission-ending risk to robotic spacecraft is from these very tiny bits of space junk. This is because there is an estimated 100 million pieces of space junk the size of paint flecks or larger. When objects collide in space, they fragment into many smaller pieces, vastly increasing the amount of space junk. Such was the case last November when Russia destroyed a defunct satellite with a missile strike. The impact produced 1,500 pieces of trackable space junk and even more pieces that are too small to track. The Space Force recently announced a program called Orbital Prime whose aim is to tackle the issue of space junk. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. For WJFF Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Rosie Starr. I'm in the woods outside of Narrowsburg, New York, at the home of Annie Stanley. In this location named Smoky Bells, we can hear the rush of the Ten Mile River. The Delaware River ice has broken, the season's snow has melted, and the days are getting longer. Farm and Country has been invited to share something seasonally sweet and special here in the Northeast. There's a window of time when the nights are cold and the days are warmer and sunny. These weather conditions create the opportunity for tapping the trees for syrup. Here is Annie Stanley, who's going to share her knowledge on this annual natural event. Hi, my name is Annie Stanley, and welcome to Smoky Bell's Catskills on the Ten Mile River. Annie, you're going to share with us now this natural event. What is it called, tapping the trees? Well, there's an American tradition of uh, tapping trees for maple syrup, learned from the Native Americans. Um, It's a real community gathering and a family gathering during the winter. It gets people out of the house. People would come and spend time in the sugar shack, have conversations, and carry on the tradition with their children, teaching them how to tap for trees. The sap would be boiling for days. The the sugar shack was probably warmer than most households. I think that it was a real neighborly community gathering type event. What is the optimum weather for something like this? We have still now uh, really cold nights. We had frost. The days are quite sunny, and that makes 
the inside of the tree contract and expand, uh, releasing these sap fluids. Your property is called Smoky Bells, and you say that this property is optimum for drawing on the sap from the trees. What kind of species of trees are here? I have three different type of maple trees here, uh, sugar maple, red maple, and the silver birch, actually, you can tap as well. Black birch you can tap, and I'm mostly tapping the sugar and red maple trees. Do you have any personal experience with this? I grew up in the 70s, and my father was homesteading and tapping trees in the winter, However, my stepmother was a little bit of a hoarder with the maple syrup, so we would sneak around and stick our finger under the spiles as the tap was dripping in the woods, and we got to taste it quite a bit that way. But then as I transitioned from New York City up here, I remembered those times, and I decided I wanted to carry on that tradition of tapping trees, and I had the, the resources here to start experimenting I also enjoyed doing it uh, and sharing the experience with artists when they came up from the city in the winter. It was a real winter activity for us. And then uh, sitting around the wood stove and boiling the sap was a real treat. Now, you mentioned your past, that you have some history, but you didn't say what area you were from. I grew up in Oneonta, New York, which is the Upper Catskills. It's very mountainous there, but rolling hills and a lot of farmland. There are a lot of maple farms up there. I spent my childhood playing in a stream like this about every day. Annie's referring to the Ten Mile River that's right here in her yard. This is a very special place that you have here outside of Tustin, New York. I would think that this maple syrup is a natural product, an agricultural product. Do you see it that way? It is, and it actually is very important in terms of preserving the landscape and keeping the forests healthy. Maple production has great impact on ecotourism. A lot of people come to this area and tour the farms, where you can come and tour all the maple farms locally and they will share their experience with you and they have tastings as well. Well, I'm really excited to be here with you. I think we're going to sample what it's like to tap the trees now. We're going to walk away a little bit from the 10 Mile River and go up to the actual homestead, Smoky Bells. We've walked up and approached a beautiful tree here. <laughs> what type of tree is this? This is the uh, mother of old maples on the property. She's actually oozing sap from some animal holes naturally right now. You can see that sap dripping down the tree on both sides. But this is probably the oldest maple on the property, and it's the ideal diameter for tapping I have tapped this tree before, so I'm going to be careful to tap uh, within six inches from a previous hole and two feet away from the hole, top or bottom. Talk about these tools now as you're about to drill. Tell us what you've got here. So this is traditionally the type of drill that they use to tap a tree. It's a hand drill. Back then, you know, there obviously weren't electric drills. 
and you put this into the tree and had to spin it by hand. So imagine for the homesteads and farms that tapped several hundred trees how much work this was. So that's one method and some people are still doing that these days. I'm just going to use a electric drill. You want to use a, a drill bit about 7 16th inch drill bit and depending on the size of your spile that's a typical drill bit size for a spile. You have a little plastic bag in your hand. These files you can get at a local garden farm store or you can order them online. This is from Tap My Trees, which is an online source. Basically comes with the spile, which is a stainless steel nowadays, and a hook, which hooks onto the bucket. I prefer to use kind of old-fashioned type equipment as opposed to the modern equipment which is mostly plastic. If you are on a budget or just starting up you can literally uh, just use some plastic tubing. You can get these plastic taps for quite cheap and then literally just save your old vinegar gallon containers or apple cider containers. Rinse them out really good not with soap but just hot water and then you run the tube right into the jug. This tube that you're holding in your hand looks about 24 inches and maybe a half an inch, quarter of an inch wide. I was fortunate to inherit this equipment from Todd and Susan Clickus of Augusta Acres. They upgraded their equipment. They gave me all their old equipment to get me started up, which is really nice. Okay, and this bucket here, describe this bucket. Is it galvanized aluminum? Yes. So this is the old style bucket that I use, and it comes with a lid to keep out the debris and rain. And then this hooks right on the tree with the hook and the spile. I'll show you how that setup is. I like doing this technique aesthetically, and this is as close to the traditional equipment as I could find. Okay, let's get to work. You're standing, what would you say, about eight feet from the roots of this tree? Yeah, ideally you do want to go within four feet maybe from the bottom of the tree. And when you drill, you want to do it kind of at an angle sloping down so that the sap can flow out of the tree more easily. It's nice and moist. I see moisture. Oh, look at that. It's flowing. It's oozing out. Do you think it hurts the tree? It does not hurt the tree, but if you put too many holes too close together on the tree, it could potentially split the tree and cause damage to the tree. You can see the sap is flowing out right now as we speak. You want to get any wood debris from the drill out of the hole. It's almost as if the tree is weeping. It's beautiful. Sweet tears. It's the starch of the tree that I think originates from the tree's osmosis of absorbing carbon dioxide. And then it translates that into starch, and which then becomes a sugar this time of year with the contraction and its expansion of the tree from the extreme temperatures. So it looks like you drilled about... A half an inch of a hole and now you're going to insert this tap. 
Yeah, about two inches into the tree is ideal. And then you want to tap it in with a hammer so that you make sure that it's not going to come out of the tree. You take your bucket and the, the hook device hooks onto the bucket and the lid. And there you uh, you start collecting the sap. Usually you get a full bucket in one day if it's a good sunny day with a cold night. The sap seems so clear. It's clear. It's like nature's gold. This is also really medicinal. It has a lot of minerals in it. Some people really like to filter their maple after they boil it, but there are actually a lot of minerals and sediment in here that are good for you. A lot of people drink the sap water as is. It's great for circulation, high blood pressure, and a lot of other things. I think it's time that we actually We are get listening to <laughs> Farm and Country. That is an interview Rosie did in the field with Annie Stanley, and uh, you guys were tapping the maple syrup. Yes. Annie That's so cool. Is so, Annie's so talented. She has many talents. I know she's a writer, and she's also with the Tustin Heritage Community Garden. Mm-hmm. She's very active in Tustin, and she represents the community, the goodness in the community, like this radio station. Radio Catskill is part of giving 24-7 Great programs, great staff, great volunteers, and we need you to recognize that now. 845-482-4141 is the number to call, or you can go online. They have a great web page. WJFFradio.org is where you go. Click uh, the donate button. It's easy. Donate any amount. Yeah, and uh, if you go to the donate page, you can also look at uh, all the different shows that are on there, and you could support uh, in, in support of one of your donate in support of one of your favorite shows, like Farm and Country, which is on every Saturday at eleven, followed by Catskill Character at eleven thirty. We're not going to hear from Donna today, but we'll hear from her next week because we're doing a special fun drive edition of uh, uh, Farm and Country, and then we'll have the special fun drive edition of Catskill Character uh, next week. Just like last week, we had. Greg and Donna on, which was fun. That was a fun morning. Uh, and always great to have uh, the community uh, aspect that you bring to us here at Farm and Country right. with uh, all of the folks that you're uh, talking to. Uh, you want to talk about, I- I'll get the phone. You can talk about uh, okay. uh, how you uh, go out into the community and record these interviews. Oh, I would love to uh, tell people that um, I love being in the field, um, talking to people, uh, f- especially in the farm and countryside. I love going to farms either in Pennsylvania or in the New York side and hearing about the history of their farm, uh, what kind of produce they uh, are growing, um, the struggles that farmers are having. But also, this is a variety show. We, in the beginning, you heard Keith Hubbard with Star Talk. Right now, we were just listening to community member Annie Stanley because she invited me to go and maple syrup is considered an agricultural product. So I went into the field and talked to Annie about that. Um, there's the, there's all kinds of subjects. I, I, you may remember earlier last year, my favorite segment that I went into the farming community was haying. Um, next to Willowis Farm, there's Canfield Farm, and they are very respectable people. 
Jennifer and Leroy, they uh, keep horses and they grow hay uh, for the community and for their horses. And that was my favorite one. Leroy was so wonderful about getting me to ride the tractor and there's an exuberance in my voice about that. Well, Tim, Tim just came back from the phone. Do you well, have- there's an exuberance in your voice always, and there's an exuberance in my voice, because guess who I got to talk to just now? Oh. Christine San Jose, who we love, uh, and read a poem uh, to me on air. <laughs> and I asked if she wanted to go on air, and she said, that's okay. She demurred, but it was a lovely poem about keeping Radio Catskill on the air. Uh, Christine San Jose, one of our contributors to Farm and Country. You you know her well. Yes, she recites and narrates the most beautiful locally produced poems and ones from archives. She always has graceful words about uh, the countryside. She has a, a firm respect for poets, and the poets have a firm respect for the landscape. And she has a lot of respect for you because she wanted to be sure. We said a big thank you to Rosie for all the work you do for Farm and Country. Well, thank you to Christine because it's the volunteers that make this program. It's the volunteers. It's a variety show, and we have a lovely bouquet. I call it the Farm and Country Produce Basket of Volunteer (laughs) Efforts. And another example of this. It's bountiful. (laughs) <laughs> it's bountiful. Uh, well, I will say that Christine called in and she increased her sound supporter membership, which is a, what's something you could also do if you're already a sound supporter. That's a way of helping us get toward our goal during our spring fund drive. Uh, if you are already a sound supporter, you can uh, you know increase that by five, ten, twenty dollars a month, however you want to do it. That helps us, of course. And if you're not a sound supporter, that is. What some stations call sustaining members or sustainer, uh, that is a monthly uh, charge that comes off your card, your credit card, or your bank account. Uh, it adds up ten dollars a month, adds up to hundred twenty. We know that's coming every year. That way, when we're budgeting, we know what we kind of got coming in, and that's how we calculate what we need during these fund drives. And maybe one day we will be able to uh, decrease the amount of fund drives we have, or decrease the amount of money we we need to keep going and uh, to keep operating because. We are listener supported. Most of the majority, actually, of our funding comes from 